Welcome to the Christian Inquiry Podcast, a podcast designed to search for the truth in God's Word. I'm your host, Elijah McSwain Sr., here are my co-hosts, Philip McSwain Jr. and Marquis Lewis. In today's episode, we want to focus on God's Son. Last time we gathered together uh, during these platforms, we discussed God the Father and His nature and His work. We talked about Him in the essence of He's the creator of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. Then He orchestrates everything according to His own purpose as well as His own will. And then He is the author and giver of salvation. And in that episode, we, we briefly touched on uh, some of the things that the Holy Spirit as well as Jesus Christ are active in as well. But uh, we want to solely uh, today focus on uh, the triune God, uh, the second of the Trinity, uh, God the Son in His work. And with this, we want to talk about Him, first of all, being the source of salvation. In the fact that God is sole source of salvation, it entails that salvation is exclusively of Christ. Uh, there is no uh, inclusion of anyone else, uh, no human effort, and things of that magnitude. Salvation is exclusively of Christ and Him alone. For Scripture tells us in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved other than the name Jesus. Uh, there are many, uh, many different things and elements and uh, things and philosophies among the world today where salvation is a product of good works, salvation is a product of universalism, and salvation is a product of science. And so many other man-made notions, but uh, we want to refute that uh, in this session tonight that salvation is exclusively of God. No human effort, uh, no meritorial status can attribute to salvation. No, uh, no ideology as far as universalism equates to salvation. God desires that mankind would be saved. Scripture says he desires and is long-suffering that he desires that mankind would be saved and that all will come to the knowledge of the truth. But in that that does not equate to universal salvation. He has that desire and he has made it universally possible for everybody to be saved, but uh, that, that rests on mankind through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, confessing of their sins, repenting of the error of their way, and then acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. For we know that the Bible talks about not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So that debunks the idea of universalism. And then we know as well that uh, salvation is not a product of science. Uh, no matter what people may say, uh, salvation is, again, exclusively of God. No outside forces or factors can contribute to the work of salvation. Because when we think about it, on this scale, nothing sinful can redeem or reconcile sinfulness. So we're trying to use methods of sinfulness to reconcile and cleanse sinfulness. It will not work. So God elected to use his son, Jesus of Christ, uh, him who, he who was pure, to redeem us from the bondage of sin and death. When I think about uh, how Christ was able to fulfill this for us, I think about his active obedience. In his active obedience, he was uh, obedient unto the law. He fulfilled the law perfectly. And therefore, in his passive obedience, he was able to take upon you and I's punishment for the penalty of sin. 
And so, uh, as John MacArthur stated, he stated, salvation is impossible for sinful humanity. We have no redeeming resources of our own. We cannot atone for our own sin. And so this just helps points to the fact that and the reality that Christ is the source and the means by which salvation has been afforded unto mankind. When we think about how sin was manifest in the world, how it infested the world at the onset of creation through Adam and Eve, uh, initially humanity was uh, uh, in a holy state between God and mankind because sin was uh, not present within the ranks of this world. But when man fell from their uh, holy state, then sin infested the world where by every being that would be born uh, thereafter through Adam and Eve would inherit the sinful nature of being marked with sin. As the psalmist said, you were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. And for that, we need to be redeemed from the bondage of sin as well as death. But thanks be unto God, God in the book of Genesis chapter 3 had given us a solution to man's malady of sin. And given that solution to the malady of sin, Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 alludes to, and I paraphrase it, that uh, the head of the, the, uh, the seed of one would bruise the head of the serpent. And he was talking about Christ, that Christ would be our redeemer, that Christ would be the one that would reconcile us from sin as well as death. And so in that, it foretold of God's rescue mission to save the world from sin as well as death, and then uh, to save us from the wrath of God. When we think about that word salvation in the Greek, it's soteria. It means safety. It means rescue. Well, what do we need rescuing from as the human race? We need rescuing from the malady of sin, from the imprisonment of sin, from the penalty of sin. Then we need rescuing from the eternal condemnation and damnation that would have awaited us if we fail to believe and repent in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, we needed to be rescued from the wrath of God because those who are lost in the world of sin and who will ultimately reject Jesus Christ as the source of salvation, they will experience the full wrath of God being poured out on them. And you can find that in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 10. So uh, in that, Jesus is given his sole source of salvation to rescue us. God allowed him to embark upon a rescue mission to set free and to liberate all those who were under the mastery of Satan and uh, why well, I said the mastery of sin, who were captive to sin. And so sin had us captive to his imprisonment. Sin had us in prison in our minds where we walked into according to the futility of our mind. We walked in darkness. We were alienated from God. But thanks be unto God that God the Son voluntarily gave of himself. It was a vicarious act. It was a substitutionary act of God uh, through the means of the old rugged cross by which he died a gruesome death at Calvary's Hill. And Isaiah talks about, Isaiah chapter 53 talks about the death that he suffered for you and I that we might have a right to the tree life. He talked about that he was wounded for our transgression. He was a bruise for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And so he died a gruesome death that, again, he did not deserve, but 
he willingly through his passive obedience took upon our affliction that we might have life and might have life anew through Jesus Christ our Lord. And some concluding thoughts as Jesus is the source of our salvation, we think about what salvation entails. Salvation is can be broken down into three stages. It can be broken down into the stage of justification. Justification denotes that we are saved from the penalty of sin. Even though we transgress God's law, even though we were criminals of the law of God in our criminal state, God frees us from that criminal state by justifying us when we stand before God, when we leave this earth, we will stand as being pardoned. We will stand as being acquitted. We will stand as being free from the charges that uh, were pinned, uh, once pinned against us because of what Jesus Christ has done for us through his justifying work at the cross. And then not only that, we think about salvation in terms of uh, sanctification. We are being saved from the powerful influence of sin. Uh, we live in this world. We are not uh, free from the presence of sin as of yet, but uh, we serve a new master, which that master is uh, God the Father. We are under new management, but the, we, we're still wrapped up in unredeemed flesh. And because we are wrapped up in unredeemed flesh, from time to time, our members, although our body desire to do those things that are not of God, it desires to walk in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And we know that the Bible alludes to the fact that these things are not of God. But thanks be unto God, that last stage that we're going to reach one of these old days is the stage of glorification, where we will be free from the presence of sin. Sin will not have an influence on us. We will not be uh, subject to the temptations of this world because we will be free from those things, free from the calamities, free from the malady of sin because of the new world that God is created for and is creating for you and I. So we thank God for his atoning work manifested through his son, Jesus Christ, as being the exclusive source of salvation for you and I. Yeah, like I think we see also um, within the framework of Christ being a source of salvation through his uh, redeeming um, blood sacrifice on the cross. We also see the fact that Christ is the author of Christianity and the head of the church. Um, within the, the framework of what God did for us on Calvary, he also um, left us a comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. And also, um, we see even before that Christ talks about his church. Uh, Matthew uh, 16, 13 through 20 um, details Christ's conversation with his uh, disciples. And he said, whom do men say that I am? And they gave him an answer. And then Christ says, who do you say that I am? And Peter, uh, both Peter gives his answer. And Christ says to him that it was not flesh and blood that gave him this answer, but it was God who gave him this answer. And he turns around and says that, that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church. So here we see uh, what Christ says, my church, the possessor pronoun, my, which gives ownership, which gives authority. John MacArthur, he said that Christ is the architect, the builder, the owner. Uh, he is the Lord of the church. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones. We have been called out of darkness. 
because we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord of our lives, we've been called out of the, out of the world into his marvelous light, but we are to go into the world and share of his good news with those who are lost in darkness. But at the same time, we are also to come together as one body of believers. Uh, Hebrews talks about, fail not to assemble yourselves together as a manner of, of, of some is. So we are to gather together. So we see, first see the word church uh, ever mentioned in the Bible here in the New Testament uh, from the lips of Christ. Then we see uh, the word Christianity, which ever was first mentioned um, in Acts 11, uh, verse 26, where they were called the followers of Christ or, or Christians, which means to be Christ-like. So Christ, he is the foundational piece, uh, what Peter calls the, the cornerstone. And the cornerstone deals with the fact that it's, it's, the, it's the stone that sets the foundation and squares the building. And a lot of people get confused with Matthew, um, uh, Matthew 16, well, Christ says that thou art Peter, which means Petrus. I believe that's the, that's the terminology. Well, and, and basically it means a, a, a small rock. But Christ was speaking of himself, a, a big boulder. He set the foundation. And upon that foundation, the, the apostles and prophets built upon that foundation um, of the church. And God used them to relay messages from him, revelations. They also sought um, Old Testament um, scripture or uh, commandments from the Old Testament laws, they use that to, to build up on the, that foundation as well. And so we see that Christ, uh, because of his redeeming work, he sanctifies us, as Elijah said, and then he justifies us. And one day we will be glorified. But until that great day, um, he, he is the head of the church. And so he has all authority and power over the church because he is the one who who, who set the foundation for it. And so because he set the foundation up upon the church, uh, uh, the foundation for the church, we as believers, uh, we are to go out and and build upon that foundation as well. So we see Christ um, in, in, in his divine purpose uh, and God, uh, before man had ever seen, uh, Christ was already deemed to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And so he set that foundation on Calvary. And from there, he left it up to his apostles that go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. So therefore, we as Christians, we have a responsibility to go out to the hedges and highways and compel men to come to Christ because we are being Christ-like, we have a responsibility to share the gospel with others, and therefore that those, that those who are lost will come to know him as Lord and Savior of their lives. Yeah, and uh, just to pick up where you guys have left off, um, talking about the source of salvation and the author of Christianity, and also Christ being the head of the church, uh, we also see Christ in the form as being the mediator between God and mankind. In the matter of him being the mediator, the mediator must perfectly represent both parties. Uh, if you think about it, uh, he must do all within his power to effect a good reconciliation. And there is only one mediator between mankind and God, and that is Jesus Christ. 
or First Timothy 2 and 5 tells us that uh, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so sin, sin separated man from God. Hence, there was a need for a mediator to effect a reconciliation with God and man. And so nothing we could have done on our own would have been sufficient enough to mediate between ourselves and God. No amount of good works that we could have done or law keeping that we could have done makes us righteous enough to stand before our holy God. And without a mediator, we are destined to spend an eternity in hell. Uh, for ourselves, salvation from sin it is impossible. But yet, uh, speaking on what you guys have told us thus far in this session, it, it lets us know that there is still hope. Yeah, and that hope is found in Christ. Uh, I believe Paul said that uh, we are not like those who have no hope, but we do have hope in Jesus Christ. And Jesus mediates for us uh, much like a defense attorney mediates for his client. Uh, uh, Jesus stands before God and he tells God, who is the great judge, he says that uh, your honor, my client is innocent of all charges that have come up against him. Uh, and this is true for us also. Someday we will face God, but we will do so as totally forgiven sinners because of Jesus's death on our behalf. Uh, what's so great about Christ is that our defense attorney, Jesus Christ, took the penalty that we were entitled to, and he suffered the penalty for us. In his sinless life, he uh, fulfilled the demands of God and holiness, knowing no sin is what 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, knowing no sin. He became sin for us. And in his vicarious death, he gave himself a ransom for many. And we, we see more proof of this comforting truth in Hebrews 9 and 15, where it says, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions, that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And it is because of the great mediator that we are able to stand before God clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I think about the passage over in um, Exodus chapter 12, um, the third through the sixth verse, where God is having a conversation with Moses and Aaron. And uh, he says to them, and I, I'm paraphrasing this, but he says to them, he says, hey, this is what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to go gather up the congregation and tell them that they need to get a lamb on the 10th of the month and hold that lamb until the 14th when it would be sacrificed. They had to go select the lamb, so I say, that would be sacrificed uh, on the 14th. And if we think about that in relations to Christ, our lamb, our sacrificial lamb for our sins, Christ himself was pre-selected as they did here in Exodus chapter 12. He was pre-selected uh, before the foundation of the earth to go and take care of our sins out on Calvary Hill. It was on the cross that Jesus exchanged our sins for his righteousness. His mediation is the only means of salvation and just to close it in, in thus in Christ Jesus the one mediator of God and of men is effective a reconciliation God offers it by grace 
man receives it through faith in him who partakes of the nature of Christ. And what I want us to realize tonight is that uh, this salvation that we have is not just something that we uh, are, are, are to consider as a free gift. Yes, it is a free gift, but it came at a high price. But then at the same time, we are to take this free gift that has been given to us and spread it abroad. As Brother Philip has already said, we ought to go and tell others about this gift that we have received in Christ uh, that others may be able to receive him into their lives as their Lord and Savior. I like um, what you guys had alluded to now. Start with Philip. Uh, Philip had made mention that Christ is the chief cornerstone. And what I started thinking about when Philip made mention of that, that if you deviate from the chief cornerstone, the rest of the building will uh, go awry, will not uh, be framed and fitted the way that it needs to be. So uh, the church, as Christ is being the head of the church, we need to line up on his lordship. We need to line up on his authority because I think about Colossians uh, talks about that he is the firstborn from the dead and he is the head of the body that he might have preeminence in the church. And that word preeminence, it deals with first rank. And it deals with influence. So as the head of the church, Christ should have all the affluence within the body of believers. And he also uh, should be first rank. We should not put anything above the authority, the person, and the work of Jesus Christ. Because when we think about that, he uh, has given himself for you and I. And that will, that's kind of a slap in the face when we elevate things. Uh, before the head of the church, we want to make sure that we are operating under the command of the chief in com commander in chief, which is Jesus Christ and adhering to all the things that he commands for us to do in the word of God. Because scripture does allude to the fact in first John, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so we as a body of Christ, we as a Ephesia, as Philip said, called out from among the world, uh, we should serve our, our head, which is Christ and adhere to all the things that he desires for us to do as his church. And then uh, referring to Marquise, uh, you made mention of that Christ is our mediator. He is our defense attorney. And I think about that. I think about Revelation, how Satan goes in day in and day out before the presence of God. He's always accusing uh, believers of our shortcomings and things to where we miss God's mark, where we uh, fall short of his standard. But uh, when God looks at us, thanks be unto God, he looks at us through the personage of Jesus Christ. Because the death at Calvary Hill that Christ suffered for you and I, it is regressive and it is progressive. It covered, and in terms of regressive, it covered everything that we have ever done within the frame of our body. And then it's progressive, uh, meaning that it will cover everything that we would ever do in the members of our bodies. And so that goes back to Christ being our source of salvation. He covers in atonement. He covers everything that uh, we would ever do in the frame of our body so that God would not see it, that God would pass over it. And I think about the passage in the Old Testament where the blood of the Lamb, as Marquis alluded to, uh, would be slain through offerings and it was marked upon the doorpost when God would come through uh, Israel, I'm sorry, he would come through Egypt, and uh, those who had the door of the blood of marking the door, of course, God would 
pass over, he would cover them. And so the same is true uh, for those of us who are the children of God. We have the, the, the blood of Christ marked on the spiritual doorposts of our hearts, whereby we are covered by what Christ has done for us at Calvary's Hill. And so when we think about the magnitude of what Christ underwent at Calvary, he was beaten with a reed of uh, nine tails. He was beaten uh, with a cat of nine tails. I'm sorry. He was beaten with a reed. He was marred viciously. He was uh, unrecognizable. And you think about all the magnitude of the suffering that he underwent for you and I. We can't help but to give him glory. We can't help to give him honor. And we can't help but to give him praise for the mighty acts that he has done for us. Because you think about he did not have to do it, as the song, as the songwriter said, but I'm glad that he did. He has given himself a ransom for many to pay the debt that no man could pay. And so with that being said, he is a source of salvation. He is the head of the church. And then thanks be unto God, he is the mediator for you and I. And I was thinking when you were talking about um, Christ and how he is the source of salvation, there are many who would refute the idea that um, you can lose your salvation. And I thought about someone once said that God doesn't have to do anything. Um, the Bible talks about how we are saved until the day of redemption. We are sealed until the day of redemption. And the idea of being sealed, I think Paul uses that, uh, was that the letter from a king. Uh, no one could open the letter from a king because it had the seal on it. And if you opened that letter from the king before it got to where it was supposed to go, then there were grave consequences. And so just as, just as that letter was sealed and could not be broken, it's the same way it is with us as Christians. Um, uh, we cannot uh, even cause ourselves to lose salvation because Christ is the source because he doesn't have to do anything. Uh, God said, those that I hold in the palm of my, head, my, palm of my hand, even the devil in hell cannot even break them out. So as the church, once we receive Christ into our hearts, then we are sealed, uh, we are uh, saved, and we can be sure of our salvation. And so as the church, uh, Christ uh, Christ authorized it. He um, he he is the head of it. And and I, I was reading an article from uh, HBC Charles Jr. Uh, where he said why the church. And so basically he said the church belongs to Jesus. Christ Himself is building the church, and nothing can defeat the church of Christ. We are secure. We are victorious because of Christ and what He had and has done for us. On Calvary's hill, he is victorious over death and the grave. And one day we will be like him. Uh, we will take off these old bodies that are filled with sin. I talked about that last time. We will be, uh, we will be anew with him in heaven. And so, therefore, we have great security, great surety that 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 we are secure in him. And just the the, the fact of the matter is, is that Christ is the head so he sets all things under his feet i think i i think it was ephesians talks about that how he said all things up under his feet and so we uh he he rules it by his power by his plan by his will and he has a plan for our lives if we are to walk in his will that means that we are to get to know him better through his through, through the word of god 
We have to get to know him better through an intimate relationship with him in prayer. And I feel as though there are many of our brothers and sisters who are lacking in these areas. We are not reading and studying God's word to know what God has said to us in his word. And we fall short and we and the church begins to look like the world. And so, therefore, we have a great responsibility as the church because Christ is the head and we are Christians. We ought to be Christ like him. Uh, one day we will be like him as far as uh, we will be made complete. But we are to strive to be more like Christ every day. And that's what Paul was saying in Romans 8, 28. He said that all things are working together for our good to those who love him called according to his purpose. And certainly those who are uh, or saved have been called out of sin. We've been called to service and to honor of God and to others. And 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 we also, uh, we are striving to be like Christ because at the end of the day, in the 29th verse, he says that basically, basically he's shaping us and molding us into the image of Christ. And so as Christians, we are to, uh, to get to know God better. We have to get to know the mind of God. And the only way we can get to know the mind of God is by spending intimate time with him um, in prayer and his word. And we're going to take the time also to stop from our busy lives and, and spend time in silence and solitude, thinking upon his word, meditating upon his word, and, and hear from heaven. Because so many times what we do, we, we read scripture and, and we leave it there. We don't meditate on it to really see what God has to say. Our grandfather would say, uh, read a little, meditate a lot. And so it is for us as Christians, we ought to spend time thinking about God. Our minds should be stayed on him because at the end of the day, he will keep us in perfect peace. So that's why he says, be anxious for nothing. And too many of us, we have become anxious as the church, as the ecclesia, and we look more like the world. That's why our testimony has become tainted. And so I encourage and implore you who are listening today to, to start afresh, start anew. God has given us. Uh, day after day after day, uh, new mercies. And so because he's given us new mercies, he's given us another chance to get it right, to be better than what we were on yesterday. So we are called out from the world, but we are to go into the world, not be like the world, don't look like the world, but we are to share the gospel of Jesus Christ who died for us, who was born of a virgin named Mary, and he rose again, and he's sitting on the right-hand side of the Father. And one day, he's coming for us. But until then, we have a duty, we have a task, we have a responsibility to, uh, to tell a dying world about a risen Savior. So it is our task as a church to follow the head. Don't follow our own uh, agenda uh, because he has the authority. He has the power. He has given us what he desires for us in his word. And I was thinking about, uh, just then I thought about um, a quote that Elijah put on LinkedIn. It said, false, um, had, when you had liked on, on LinkedIn, uh, th these are the words of the false prophet. Uh, God told me to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is, uh, it is what does, if, if it's not in the word of God, then who has authorized, who has given us his word, and who has authorized the church to follow, to look like him, then we ought not to believe it. We ought to follow Christ and him alone, the leadership of him. And so if it can't find it in his word as believers, we are not to follow and fall suit because many of us are falling to different deities, uh, uh, false deities other than Christ. We have failed to, to um, mysticism and, 
and all these other isms uh, out there in the world. But the only thing that will sustain us, the only thing that will uphold us, that will, that will keep us going in this life until God calls us home, until he cracked the sky, is his word in us having communion and fellowship with him. And I, I want to end on this. HBC Charles said, uh, Christ is the head of the church and he does not have an out-of-body experience. To submit to the authority of Jesus Christ over your life is, is to live in fellowship with the church. So we ought to uh, live within fellowship with one another. And the only way that we can do that is by abiding in his word and spending time with him in prayer. And, you know, I kind of piggyback off of what you were talking about, uh, Brother Philip, um, how we need to spend time with God and spend time in his word. Um, I think about a lot of the times the reason we don't spend time with God is because of the distractions of the world. Uh, it's recorded in Luke's gospel where uh, Jesus was in the house with Mary and Martha and she was, Martha was preparing a meal while uh, Mary was at the feet of Christ. Uh, Martha was distracted uh, by what was going on in the house because uh, she or she was doing all the laboring and all of the work while everybody else was over here. And, and if I may just uh, use common terms, uh, they were kicking it with Jesus, so to say. <laughs> and so uh, she got distracted by that and, and got angry and Jesus tells her, he says, you know, you are distracted by these things, but Mary is in the right place at my feet, hearing the word. That's why we uh, as a world and as people, as the church have fallen short. Uh, we allow the distractions of the world to take away our time with Christ. Um, television, uh, our social media, our cell phones. These are all distractions that cause us to uh, take out, take away time that we should be spending with God and spend it on the things of the world. You know, uh, we can sit up and, and I said this uh, in Bible study, even on last evening, uh, we'll sit up on social media and scroll uh, Facebook for three hours looking at the same post that we saw three hours ago when we first started. But when it comes to the word of God, two, three verses into the chapter, we're tired, we're bored, we done done enough, we feel like we done done our due diligence uh, by picking up the Bible and opening it up. But that's not what uh, God requires of us. He wants us to spend time with him. I believe Elijah said in a message he preached a while back, since he's been here with us sharing, he says that God doesn't want weekend visitation. He wants full-time custody of you. And, and, and But we have gotten to the mind frame that uh, the only time that we can have time with God is on Wednesday evenings and Sunday mornings. Uh, but God wants a constant uh, part of our, he wants to be a constant part of our life. He wants to be a full-time parent of us as the children of God. And in order for us to have relationship with him, in order for us to get closer to him, in order for us to get to know his will for our lives, is to get into the word of God. Jesus gives us the perfect example of how we can use his word because even while he was in being tempted by Satan in Matthew chapter 4 as he was in uh, the wilderness uh, Jesus had already been there for 40 days and 40 nights and, Jesus, and, and Satan comes and tempts the Lord and he says he says to him he says uh, he knows that Christ is hungry so he says you see this stone that's here on the ground 
uh, commanded it be made bread. And Christ says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And here's what I want to get to. Uh, Satan, and again, I shared this with our church on, on our Bible study on last evening. Satan knows scripture too. Uh, you got to be warned tonight that Satan knows the scripture too because he told Christ he came from scripture and said, well, the Bible said that uh, you can cast yourself over this mountain and, and the angels will dispatch and take care of you. And Christ uh, refutes that and says, it is also written. So you've got to know more scripture than the devil because that's how we fight our battles. That's how we overcome these temptations that we face in life uh, is, is getting deep into the word of God. We have to have that word hidden in our hearts that we might not sin against him. Uh, so we, we got to have that word. We got to study it. And I mean, we got to really get into it. Don't just uh, get on the surface of it because that's what a lot of us like to do. We like to, uh, um, so to say, swim on the surface, but we don't want to go down deep into the, into the seas of God's word. So as I, as I get ready to let it go here, um, study God's word and, and make sure that you meditate on it and get a full understanding of what God is saying because his will is his word and his word is his will. And I like what you guys said too. You are pleading and exhorting uh, our listeners to uh, the way that you get to know who God is through his son is studying the word of God, the word of God renews our mind, it frames our mind, it renovates our mind, it transforms our mind about who Christ is when we spend intimate time. And I always like to use an example that uh, the only way that I'm going to get to know my wife better is by spending quality time with her. And the same is true when it comes to God. The only way that we're going to get to know him uh, as God, the Son, and, and in the triune nature of that he operates in the capacity he is, is through spending intimate time in the Word of God because it's vital for the life of the church. It's vital for the community of faith uh, to get to know He who it is that we serve. And so the only way we're going to get to know Him better is by studying the Word of God each and every day of our lives. And I will uh, end this episode uh, with a quote from H.B.C. Charles. He said, H.B. Uh, Charles, young, excuse me, he said, it is the will of God to use uh, the word of God to conform us into the Son of God. So it is the will of God to use the word of God to uh, mold us basically into the Son of God. And this should be our aim in life, to be molded into the image of Christ by getting to know his mind, by walking in the way that he has outlined for you and I throughout the canvas of Scripture. As always, I thank you guys for your time. I thank you for your attention. And before we exit this platform, this episode tonight, we encourage you to like our Facebook page, the Christian Inquiry uh, Facebook page, as well as our Instagram page as well, entitled the Christian Inquiry. Uh, we post uh, social media content to give you encouragement throughout the course of the week. Uh, we thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for joining us today. We ask that you will subscribe to the Christian Inquiry podcast. You will find this podcast on many of the major podcast platforms. Once you subscribe, you will receive an automatic download 
of new episodes for your listening pleasure. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to you. I invite you to join us the next time on the Christian Inquirer podcast to further grow in God's word. Thank you for listening and God bless.